Okay, welcome to our first of many episodes for our Priority Wellness Podcast, focusing on the mental health for first responders. Today, we're going to have a panel discussion with women leaders in emergency medicine. I'm one of your co-hosts, Colin Hardy. And I'm Pat O'Connell. Um, yes, thank you, guys. Um, we do have uh, quite the guest list for our very first podcast. Um, we have Deb Singleton, uh, former executive director of South Jeff Rescue, um, Ann Smith, who's in charge of the North Country EMS program agency. And finally, Dr. Gray. Uh, she's an ER doc. Um, she wears many different hats. She's also a medical director. Um, also, I do want to mention that um, Dr. Gray has been selected for a Lifetime Achievement Award that she'll be accepting at the end of this month. Well-deserved. And congratulations to Dr. Gray. Thank Yay. You. Thank you. Absolutely. Well-deserved. You know, just to kind of start off the panel, guys, and we can go in whatever order, whoever wants to go first. Um, what inspired each of you to pursue a career in emergency medicine? Well, I'll kick it off. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I lost my brother in a traumatic accident. And the first responders were so supportive. Again, I was very young. Um, I kind of knew from that point on, I'd love to do something where I could help people. So I worked in a veteran's home for many years. And then I joined the local volunteer fire department and became an EMT. And that was it. That was uh, where I discovered that working emergency medical services was my passion. Now, Anne, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Green, New York, which is between Binghamton and Norwich, just above the Pennsylvania line. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. A little far from home. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Dr. Gray? Uh, so uh, when I, I went to New York Medical College down in Valhalla and uh, rotating uh, through a variety of departments. Uh, it was actually emergency medicine um, rotation was actually the very last rotation I did. I was thought I was gonna be an obstetrician gynecologist all my life. <laughs> and I uh, did that rotation in the, the, the Bronx at Lincoln Hospital. And really it was the first time in uh, my professional uh, educational experience and, and just in my professional experience that I felt that the emergency department was my home. Um, I liked it for many reasons, uh, like A, you in one shift can deliver a baby, but also hold the hand of someone who's passing away and having the privilege to be there uh, at both ends of the, you know, that whole spectrum. Um, I really enjoy uh, not knowing what's coming through the front door and being able to use my skill set to stabilize those patients that do come through. Um, and I think most of all, I, I enjoy meeting patients who come through the door and, and each one feels that, you know, they're there for their emergency, right? That, that's the last place that they wanted to be that day. And uh, I enjoy meeting my community members and uh, listening to them and caring for them and, and hopefully strategizing with them uh, to be able to figure out a treatment plan that best works for them. Uh, and I also enjoy the people I work with from EMS, uh, the pre-hospital providers to 
uh, the staff in emergency departments, we're all like similarly mind, like-minded. Um, and we work well together as a team. Uh, really, it's a continuum of patient care. And, and I really do enjoy those special relationships. And I can't speak for everybody on the call, but I know that I can speak for Pat and I that we, you know, we enjoy working with you as well uh, on the other end of it. And oh, I think that I can. Yes, absolutely. I can't put it as nicely as put as you did um, as far as working in different areas of, um, you know, emergency medicine and seeing something different all the time. But mm -hmm. that's exactly why I like doing this, too. Deb, what say you? Well, I've had the uh, privilege of being a member here at South Jeff. This is my 43rd year. Oh, my goodness. I joined uh, when I turned 18 because I lost my mom at a very young age, and they didn't have hospice back then. And we had to utilize the service quite a bit. And when the people came to our house, they were always wonderful. They treated my mom with dignity and respect. And, you know, it wasn't OU again or anything like that. And they were just really good and took her in. And I said, I can do that for a couple of years and repay the debt. And uh, I became president. Uh, I was president for 22 years. I had 30 years at Covidian. It was a medical device manufacturer in Watertown. I was the logistics manager. And unfortunately, the place closed and moved the business overseas. And the timing was just right to move into a paid position here at South Jeff. Um, so I tell them they've paid me for what I did for free for 22 years. And uh, I'm still working, Pat. I'm scheduled to retire uh, in July. I'm part-time now and with turning over the reins to the to the administration of the business, but continue to take call and, and uh, be very active in the uh, regional area. Yes, absolutely. That's great. Your service definitely has not gone unnoticed. I think you've mentored a lot of us upcoming in EMS. And I, I feel like I've known you for just about a decade. So yep. yeah, um, that's great. You've, you've done a lot for the area. All of you guys have. Um, all right. Let me see. What's the next question here? I guess you guys want to go right back to the top. We'll go back to Ann here. Um, so as you guys... You guys are leaders of, you know, leaders in EMS, especially in our area. What what would you say some of the challenges um, that we face as EMS providers, EMS, you know, medical directors, especially in the North Country? Uh, I believe EMS is evolving. Uh, medicine changes. We have new studies that come forth that show us better ways of doing things that we done for many years just because somebody thought it was a good idea. Um, so it's exciting to have that evidence base behind um, to show that what we are doing is making a difference. Um, multiple administration changes and again with different laws and regulations coming down the pipe um, it can just be a daunting task trying to keep up with all of those changes. So that's definitely a challenge in, you know, in communicating those out to everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so from my perspective as uh, medical director of the ED at Samaritan, but also ground squads and also LifeNet, uh, when COVID hit, like everything changed. And again, this is Maya's view. <laughs> 
Uh, I feel that we lost so many mentors and uh, the older um, uh, workforce, people in the workforce, because they, you know, this, this novel virus was killing people, uh, you know, over a certain age and those with comorbidities. And uh, what would normally happen is several of the older people would retire and you would have new people coming in, but not only I felt like there was a quarter of, of unexpected mass exit and the school shut down. And so you, they weren't pumping out new EMTs, new nurses, new techs. Uh, and, and so I feel uh, in our, right now, uh, the workplace shortage is, a, is um, you know, can be overwhelming on certain days, certain times. And I think we just all need to be patient with each other. Um, you know, schools are back in session and gratefully many uh, folks from the community are, you know, going to nursing school, going to EMS and becoming EMTs. And I think we're going to have a couple years where the workforce is a challenge. And, and how do we protect each other? How do we uh, not get burned out during that time? Because those who do show up often get the brunt of frustrations for the from the community, you know, which you understand. Um, so uh, I think that's probably the biggest challenge I see in the next couple of years. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. I think I can speak for all of us. And, you know, every time you go into work, it's like, oh, goodness, which uh, which uh, staffing delay or staffing shortage are we going to have today? You know, and it's and it's affected everybody, EMS, hospitals, nursing mm -hmm. homes, everybody. And even I mean, even LifeNet, I've, you know. Mm -hmm. We know providers at LifeNet and it, it's happening there too. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I look forward to the next few years when people are, you know, we're bringing up new providers. So mm -hmm. um, all right, pass it on to you, Deb. Um, I, I think our, our biggest challenge is, as Ann mentioned, it's an ever evolving and for the better um, profession and trying to help our volunteer uh, staff and our smaller agencies be able to keep up with that while working full time and managing a family and, and having that balance of volunteerism and, and work and life can be difficult. And I think sometimes it's just difficult to help keep them where they need to be without overwhelming them. I think that, you know, they none of them joined an ambulance service to do paperwork and to to fill out forms and, and do all that. So I think sometimes that's one of our biggest challenges is keeping everybody apprised of what's going on and helping make sure that we bring along those smaller agencies and give them what they need to survive. We need all, we, we can't afford to lose more services. We've lost way too many services in the state in the last couple of years. And we need to figure out what we need to do to retain them and help make them successful. Now, I, I think with all of those challenges in mind, especially with everything um, dwindling and with, you know, all three of you ladies having many years of leadership experience, um, what advice do you think that you could give to the folks that are up and coming in the emergency medicine field uh, as a, as aspiring leaders? I, I think they should always ask questions and show initiative. If they do those two things, 
along with surrounding themselves with people like Debbie and Dr. Gray and some other great folks that we have out there in the field who want to teach will lead to their success. Yeah, and I'd, I'd echo what Ann said, um, uh, mutual respect amongst all uh, parties, I think is, is really important. Um, treating the patients with dignity at all times, no matter their chief complaint, um, and really taking care, also finding time to take care of yourself. Uh, and so I would uh, give that advice. Take care of yourself. Uh, treat every member of your team, every single member, with respect and dignity, and, and keep those patients as your main focus. I think it's important that you find a mentor that you can look up to, and that you rely on. That nobody knows everything. And one of the uh, seminars that we're going to do at Spring Fling at the end of April is we're calling it You Don't Know What You Don't Know. And it's not a leadership as much as a management. And I think that's where sometimes we concentrate so much on leadership that sometimes we forget about the management side of the business. And that's what kind of gets people jammed up. So having somebody that you feel you can call that will help you. And I think we probably need to identify other classes that people need in our area that we could be offering to try to help them. Yeah, so um, I, I think that Pat is going to kind of shift gears into everything that you guys just mentioned as far as uh, mentors and taking care of ourselves. <clears throat> yep, so as you may know or may not know, Worst, me and Colin are part of an organization, Party Wellness. Um, and the end goal is to one, destigmatize mental health and um, mental health issues, namely, and provide education and then eventually services to our first responders. Um, and, but we didn't want to start off the podcast, you know, being dark and gloomy. We really wanted to, you know, highlight certain aspects of EMS, namely, you know, important um, women leaders in EMS, as you guys are. And it's the start of Women's History Month. So perfect timing there. Um, but I do want to talk about the mental health part of it a little bit. Um, so I guess I'll start with the glaringly obvious question. Um, how do you guys handle the things that you see? Um, and I guess we'll start with Anne. So I over the years of, you know, kind of struggled from my job aspect. And I'm going to probably lead into your second question a little bit, um, you know, being pulled in many different directions. Um, but what I've learned is that taking care of myself, which is something that I failed to do for many years in my career, and that talking to your peers is very helpful. So after you've had a particularly bad call, just having that person that's in the service that understands and having that peer-to-peer -peer relationship where you can sit down and talk about, you know, what went right, what went wrong, what you could do better. So not only does that help relieve any anxiety that you know came around the call but it can be educational not only for yourself but for your peer that you're working with 
though, if they are faced with the same situation. So I really believe in that peer-to-peer support is extremely important. And having somebody that you trust and feel comfortable to be able to say, you know, I'm struggling a little after this call is huge. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And mentioning peer-to-peer sort of support, um, I'm not trying to plug party wellness constantly here, but that's actually some of the things that were, that's like the first program we want to roll out is doing peer to peer. I think it's, um, it's important to have people speak with people that have been maybe in the same shoe or maybe a very similar call or, you know, had the same sort of feelings or was going through the same tough time with the family and, you know, struggling with having a family and being an EMS provider and, you know, you know, everything that entails. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, with the taking care of yourself aspect of it. Um, So I'll pass over to Dr. Gray. Yeah, so what I've, um, you know, what works for each one of us is going to be a little different. And I think that that's great. The more people can share their personal experiences and handle it, I think your organization's going to do wonders. Um, So I kind of have recognized that the healing starts in the midst of the resuscitation. Um, And if you know the resuscitation uh, is not going well, um, or if you have that critical patient, I find that the healing of those healers trying to heal the patient starts at the bedside. And so I've really tried in my last decade to, you know, 10 to 15 years that in the midst of the moment, I involve every member of the team, the care treat, critical care treatment team and ask if anyone has any other suggestions, ask if, uh, you know, anyone sees anything we could do differently um, before I, you know, the worst case is terminating, um, you know, terminating the resuscitation. And so trying to really look in your, in your teammates' eyes during that moment, listening to them and, and having them be really engaged in the moment, I think it really helps, um, and in the immediacy right after uh, we take care of the family member and the patient, kind of talking about the, the case with the people that were right there. And then um, I think the peer-to-peer uh, discussions at a, at a later time are even you know as important because you want an objective person to listen to what you've gone through. And what I've made an error in my early life doing was, was taking these moments home. And really, my husband and my two kids did not sign up to hear about my days in the emergency department and what kind of patients I've seen and and um, not sharing HIPAA related stuff, but like accidents and what could happen. And um, they call me Debbie Downer. (laughs) And so they didn't sign up for that. Um, And so really addressing um, the mental health of the resuscitator and the healers at the moment. And then also peer to peer, I think is really the healthy way to um, discuss the stresses that we see, you know, the sights, the smells, the everything that we see on a day to day basis. Yeah, right. Just to kind of add on to that, uh, you know, another plug for priority wellness. But, um, you know, we've been discussing uh, what the rollout for this looks like. And I think I couldn't agree more, Dr. Gray, that the continued support is so important. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And to follow up with that, I think, um, like you were saying, Dr. Gray, that telling your family about these things that you've seen, I feel like initially when we get an EMS, we're like, you know, I'm a strong individual. I'm strong enough to take care of these sick or injured individuals. I feel like I shouldn't have to expose my family to even the mental imagery of all that. Mm-hmm. So it can be, it can definitely be hard. Um, but I think, again, I just come back to that peer to peer. I feel like maybe discussing that with somebody that's quite possibly been in that same position, maybe it would be easier to kind of open up to your family. Um, Absolutely. But, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thoughts, Deb? Um, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, that my husband is Chris and that he's involved in it too. So discussing things with him is, is able to be done. But when one of our crews have a, a bad call, I always make sure I'm here when they come back from it and I don't ask them anything. I just help clean up the rig. And if they feel like talking, then we talk. And sometimes they don't want to talk then. And we talk later. Um, I have the various posters. New York state has put out a couple of wonderful posters on if you need help, you need to talk. Here's, you know, some places to go to. Um, we have reactivated the Northern New York, um, North Country Regional EMS CISM team. Uh, you know, we're seeing more and more graphic things than we ever saw in the past. And we can't afford to lose anybody. And I think that your service combined with that is going to complement. And hopefully we can retain folks and get them help if they need it. And I think it's important that the the family, I, I think we should do some education for the family on these are the things that you need to look for and you need to alert somebody that you have a family member in crisis based on a call. And I don't think we do a good job at that at times. So I think that's an area that we should look at is what triggers should the families be aware of that tells us that somebody's in crisis? Yes, 100% agree. And it's, <laughs> it's funny because EMS is very imperfect, you know, very imperfect. And I think a lot of the individuals are pretty imperfect. Um, but no, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Um, spinning off of that question, I wanted to ask, um, how do you guys deal with like work-life balance? How do you like, you just went to a horrible call and now you have to go to a family reunion. How do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? And how do you you know, prevent the burnout? What are some things that you guys may do to prevent those sorts of things? There is such a thing as work-life balance? No. <laughs> um, actually, it is very important. And again, that is one thing that it took me a long time to learn. Um, and I spent many years, you know, not taking my vacations because somebody needed me or I needed to work or I needed to do more. And the only thing that that got me was it did bring me close to burnout. So through personal development, um, you know, reading different books, watching different podcasts, et cetera, I learned the importance of being able to to set boundaries, number one, um, put away your phone and be able to take some time. And when I say some time, I mean, I'm not available, call somebody else um, and take some time off. And before uh, I did that self-development and I learned that I spent more than a decade probably 
causing myself more stress and doing the exact opposite that I taught to everybody is take care of yourself. But it is truly important. And I truly now have witnessed um, the good that it can do. And even if it's just a weekend, right, to, to go away and, you know, shut down a little bit. And on a daily basis, I find it very relaxing. To, I try to make sure I get out and I walk my dogs and I don't usually take my phone with me or if I do. I have it tucked away in my pocket. So it gets me out and away from the electronics and enjoy nature a little and walk my dogs and get some exercise and, you know, certainly changing the way that I, um, that I eat. Uh, My colleagues can attest to the fact that I could eat a dozen cookies in one sitting, like nothing. So, you know, I've cut back on that. And it certainly makes me feel a whole lot better. And it's actually made me um, more successful, I think. Yes. Yeah. I can't stress the importance of just unplugging quite literally, like get away from the phone because we all have active 911 or bricks. And we know, you know, we may know somebody that's, you know, part of the incident or we may know the crews or we obviously know the crews that are going to the calls. Um, But yeah, it can be hard. And but it's it's needed. I I mean, it really is. So for me, uh, the work-life balance, I, again, like Anne, you kind of learn from your mistakes and transition uh, in in the last probably 10 10 to 15 years, I've recognized for myself the importance of finding passions outside of the emergency department. Um, and taking the time to ensure, uh, I do those. Um, uh, and then I also recognize the importance of like a healthy diet and healthy exercise. So getting outside, um, getting just 30 minutes in like three to five times a day, I'm a walker or ski, uh, really clears my head, uh, for me to be able to compartmentalize things and kind of tuck it away when I need to. And then I've really changed my eating patterns to eat. I try to eat like five to six small meals versus three large ones and, and monitor my, um, alcohol intake. Like, you know, in the past, I might come home and have two to three glasses of wine if I had a really hard, uh, day. And so now I come, I try to, for example, to have three of the Jello 10 calorie, you know, <laughs> canisters to get my sweet fix and, and, and really try and maintain like a healthy diet uh, and exercise regimen. I find that that helps me wake up the next day. I'm less tired. I have more energy and then concentrate yeah. on doing stuff outside the day, which for me, one of my passions is working with you folks, EMS. It's just, it's not work to me. It's, uh, it's something I really do cherish. Yes. And we are absolutely honored to have you. And we've, I think the majority of us have worked with you for years. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's funny that we don't, sometimes we don't practice what we preach because we've mm-hmm. all sat through an EMT course or paramedic course, or even in med school, there's probably, you know, the wellness of the provider. And it's, they all say the same thing. Make sure you're exercising, make sure you're eating well. I probably shouldn't drink too much. Don't smoke. But especially EMS providers, we are the worst at it. We're, well, we'll sit in class and we might get taught the wellness of an EMT, but then we leave class and we might go to McDonald's and then we go to, we go to, uh, you know, the station and run a call and then get back from a call, smoke a cigarette. 
and it goes on and on and on and perpetuates itself. But I think bottom line, if we practice what we preach, we'd actually, we, we do a little bit better, but um, sorry, I'm rambling. Deb, I'll pass it on to you now so I can stop. I, I, I um, this is an area I don't do well in. I don't uh, um, do the break like I should. Uh, it's much easier now that we have a director of operations on board that I'm going to turn the helm over to. Uh, we talked about succession planning here for three years, and I was fearful that we were going to be able to successfully do it so I could retire. Um, I enjoy teaching. I, I don't feel that is um, a struggle. I enjoy doing that, and that kind of gives me a break. Um, we've gotten so, my husband and I, that that, you know, we actually leave the area for a couple of weeks every summer just to have that break. And that's kind of what we do. And um, it, it's going to be an interesting transition retiring and, and not having to uh, have all those stressors all the time. And uh, it, it's, 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 diff it's going to be difficult for me. This has been my, this has been my baby for so long that uh, seeing it grow up and leave the house is going to be difficult for me. <laughs> Now, Deb, are you going to actually retire, or are you going to still be on the ambulance once in a while? Uh, no, I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna pull ambulance call. Um, I'm. I'm not not walking away from that. Um, it's just the administrative side, just you know, turning that over, and and I'd like to do more things in the region, and and you know, do more teaching and and things like that, and uh, that'll make that help make the transition palatable, I think. Yeah. yeah. You get to do all the stuff that you have passion about now. Yep. So it's, it is difficult. And, and sometimes, you know, like I, I've seen it with um, some of the kids over at Sackett, you know, they, they put their whole, they put their whole embodiment in it to, to make it work over there. And then to try to step back a little and have others take it. It's, it's a difficult thing to do. And, and people do make themselves sick and, you know, a lot of marriages suffer and, you know, alcoholism and depression. And just, again, I think the key is recognizing it and, and trying to help these people, these people um, through that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that something, you know, it's not anything new that we haven't been talking about, but I think that we're all guilty of uh, kind of failing in a way of um, not having a proper work-life balance but I think the most important thing that we can do is give ourselves a little bit of grace and just tell ourselves that tomorrow is a new day mm -hmm. um, and, and, and you know I think that we should have asked this question before work-life balance but how do you each deal with the burnout when when we're not having that oh <laughs> uh, you know again it's just sometimes knowing that you need to take a break you know, and for me, I have a beautiful new grandson. Um, so it's, you know, they they live three hours away. So it's making that road trip and staying down there for the weekend. So I don't hear the pager. I don't, you know, it just gives me that break. I'm not thinking about EMS. I'm thinking about my grandson and my family. And that has been very helpful, um, you know. Just knowing sometimes you just need to take a day off or knowing that, you know, if I can call Debbie or I can call Dr. Gray and say, you know, I need help with this so I can, you know, do something with it and then 
take the stress away of trying to figure it out. That's helpful as well. Well, and I think, Ann, you know, you and I have uh, had numerous conversations and talked to each other off the ledge more than once with things yeah. going on, you know, and, and having that person that you, as we mentioned before, feel comfortable being able to go to. And sometimes it's just frustration. You know, um, we don't always agree with, you know, regulations and things that come down. And, uh, you know, we have to present a united front as the REMSCO and the REMAC. And it's difficult sometimes. So we kind of have to massage emails and letters that have to go out to make it make it sound like it's a positive spin and, and not how we really feel. And and being able to have people you can talk with and laugh with. Uh, you know, we have strategic meetings every other month with with Dr. Delaney and and our big joke is I buy a dozen donuts or Ann buys a dozen donuts and we take a tab on how many how many Dr. Delaney can eat in that sitting and just things, silly things like that that you can laugh at and have are what you need. And, you know, we we do we do spring fling and it's a very tiring time and, and we've. We've had a lot of fun and laughing at that stuff. And and those are the great memories that you have to remember and you have to continue to make. And we just can't, it's a doom and gloom. You know, I feel like we're, we're in a struggling environment and we just have to have some people we can laugh with and that we can use as a sounding board and come off positive when we need to for our region and not, and not be so negative at times. And it's difficult sometimes, but we try to do it. Yeah, and you know, I think that um, that's also important uh, because our jobs aren't always uh, fun all the time. So definitely turn into somebody that you can laugh with is uh, is key. Dr. Gray, what what what's your opinion? So I think uh, your uh, what you're doing uh, tonight and in the future with your organization. It, it is just so tremendous, bringing awareness uh, to our colleagues, to the community um, about figuring out what are your red flags of burnout, right? And when you're getting close to that, who's your go-to person to, to address that? Um, each of us have lost people in our lives uh, from suicide and, uh, you know, for me, I've had a couple of close friends and colleagues who've turned that way, uh, turned towards suicide. And, you know, the, the soft red flags were there. I think the more we learn uh, other red flags and, and um, you know, hopefully that, that message goes out to people who, uh, you know, in medical school, we're not taught wellness. We're not taught about how do we how do we uh, take care of ourselves and our family or our mental health, uh, and so breaking down barriers across all frontline um, uh, positions, I think, is really key. And uh, it's the awareness that I think is so important. And then, if you do find yourself struggling, who do you go to, and who can you go to? And you know, each one of us goes to different people, and so. Um, having a resource in the community like yours, uh, I think will just be vital uh, in the future. And so I'm, I'm just really so proud to be here tonight and to support you both and, and your colleagues in uh, this new mission. And, and I thank you for letting me be here. Yeah. And Dr. Gray, we thank you, Debbie and Anne. We thank all of you for being here this evening. 
Is there anything else that Pat or any of you ladies would like to add before we uh, part ways tonight? So definitely, again, thank you for being here, for allowing me to be here. Thank you for what you're doing. It is a huge issue within the region, um, and it's very important. But I also wanted to add for when folks are feeling like they're starting to get burned out, and this is one of the things that I had to do. You know, I found myself committing to too many things. And, you know, then you're getting pulled in so many directions. So the other thing is to learn to step back a little, you know, so I, I didn't lead the fire department, but I stepped back from being president of the fire department. I still help them take care of stuff, but I'm not that, you know, frontline person as president any longer in the department. And that has helped me a whole lot, you know, so I can go take care of my patients and focus on the patient, not the policies that need to be written. Um, so understanding when you overcommit yourself, because I believe that's something that EMS providers do um, frequently. So yeah. again, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, ladies, th again, thank you. Uh, Pat, is there anything else that you have? Yes. Um uh, I just, yeah, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for uh, coming on and um, doing this with us. It would, it, I think it would have been much more enjoyable in person, but, you know, the reality is we're all busy. Um, so this is just fine. And, you know, having, I, having you guys being leaders in this field, um, kind of back that, you know, back priority wellness it gives us a little bit more drive, a little bit more push. You know, you guys recognize that this is something that's needed and there's days where, you know, uh, maybe this is a little too hard, you know, getting, you know, obtaining a non nonprofit status and doing all the, you know, the red, you know, cr jumping, you know, through hoops and all the red tape can be, it can be daunting, but hearing that it's necessity, especially from you ladies, it's definitely, Definitely good motivation. I just want to say thank you for, you know, talking with us tonight. All right, folks. Well, uh, you know, one last time, thank you. And uh, for those listening, please stay tuned for more episodes of the Priority Wellness Podcast. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.